Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 24, and then get Ruth chapter 1, Proverbs 24 and Ruth 1. We are continuing our series on strong families, strong families. Last week we looked at strong men, and this week we're going to look at strong women, strong women. Look at Proverbs chapter 24, look at verse 3. The Bible says, Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established. Let's read that out loud together, Proverbs 24, 3. Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for these faithful people. They have a love for your word. They have a love for each other. But most of all, we have a love for you, Lord. And we've gathered together in this place around your word. Father, help us to set aside the cares of this world for this period of time. Help us to focus on your word. Lord, help us to understand how important the family is to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We do know that the family is under attack in our culture, and so it's vital for us to focus on these things and for all of us men to want to be strong, godly men, and for all of you ladies to be strong and godly ladies, to raise strong and godly children so that we can have strong and, fa- strong and godly homes. And if we have all of that, then we'll have a strong and godly church. Amen? And so what I want to look at this morning is a strong woman, and I think that Ruth is the perfect example of that. And I said chapter 1, but let's go to chapter 3 and verse 11, and then we'll move back towards chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 11, And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. The testimony that Ruth had is that of a virtuous woman. And I think that we would all say that that would be a strong woman. And when you look at the story of Ruth, and I don't have time to to teach the whole book this morning, and I'm praying about after our strong families to actually preach through the book of Ruth uh, through the end of the year, and I think that would be a good thing for us to do. But this, this study of Ruth, and it's, it's amazing where it comes in the Bible, is you've just come through Judges and just all of the sadness and just how awful that is. And God gives us the ray of light of this beautiful, godly woman named Ruth and all that God did with her. So go back to Ruth chapter 1. And it's interesting that there are four women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Four women mentioned in the genealogy of Christ. Three of them wouldn't have a reputation that most women would want to have. Isn't that interesting? Think about it. You have Tamar and Rahab, Ruth and Bathsheba. Those are the ladies mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? God's grace is wonderful. God's grace is wonderful. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter what has happened in your past. The Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind and looking forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And whatever... Now, young people, I don't want you to have that past. Right? You you don't have to have that past for God to use you, and the book of Ruth is a demonstration of that. But if some of you have a past that, that would not bring glory to God, here's what you need to do. Leave it in the past. Jesus Christ, if he, is, if he is your Savior, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life, all those things are gone. 
You're not under the penalty of those things. God has freed you from that. Isn't that wonderful? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What a wonderful promise that is. And you can see that in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The other thing that is so interesting is that when we talk about Rahab, remember Rahab, the harlot who helped with the city walls in Jericho? That actually did fall, regardless of what Andy Stanley says. They, they did fall. And Rahab, who was a harlot, she helped and obeyed God, helped God's people. And she was Boaz's mother. You understand that the reason that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem was because of Boaz and Ruth. Isn't God's grace wonderful? If you ever feel like God can't use you because of your past, if you're not getting that from the Bible. You're getting that from the enemy. God loves you. God has a great plan for you and He wants to use you. It is interesting that if you'll look at verse 1, Ruth, uh, of uh, chapter 1 of Ruth, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Now this, this famine in the land, it is interesting that famine is a bad thing. Would you all recognize that? That famine is a bad thing. And famine is always referred to in the Bible as the judgment of God. And for those of you who like to look at the numbers in the Bible, the word famine is used 13 times. It's a bad thing. It's a very interesting thing. It was a time of famine, and famine is a visitation of God's judgment. And that's what's going on. So let's, let's read on. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of where? Bethlehem, Judah. See, there was another Bethlehem. But in Micah chapter 5, we understand that it's Bethlehem Ephratah. That's Bethlehem, Judah. That's where Jesus Christ would come from that a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of uh, his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpah. And you girls, any of you glad your mom and dad didn't name you Orpah? That's awesome. And the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died, and also both of them, and the women, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters in law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. And isn't it wonderful that the bread of life came from Bethlehem? Wherefore, she went forth out of her place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And this is why Jesus Christ is the Lion of the tribe of Judah because of the connection with Bethlehem. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. So they're saying, 
Naomi's telling her to go back to the people of Moab. And they're saying, no, Naomi, we're going to go with you to your people. And Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way. For I am too old to have an husband. I, I heard one guy say that you need to read these verses with a Jewish accent. Can't you picture a Brooklyn Jewish mom that's this, Hey, oy vey, there's no children here. Go home. That's the, that's the, the tone of it. Verse 12, Turn again, my daughters, go your way. For I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they are grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. They lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back, look, unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. You know the name Mara means bitter. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi? That means pleasant. Seeing the Lord hath testified against me. <laughs> now how many of you can see that she's not very pleasant anymore? Right? Some of you are thinking of your mother-in-law. Don't do that. This is a strong woman. It's going to be a nice thing. All right? I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Now, this is a, this is a wonderful story, and it is the story of redemption. So Naomi brings her daughter-in-law, who is a Moabitess, not a Jew, back to the land of David, back to the, it's not the land of David yet, this is, she's David's grandmother, great-grandmother. And so what happens is she comes back into the land, and God does an amazing work with her through Boaz, who becomes her kinsman redeemer. And it's an amazing, amazing story that is so full of doctrine and truth and prophecy and so many things that are vital to our understanding. But what I want to look at is the character of Ruth and who she is. The first thing that I want you to see is that Ruth's, this is so important, ladies, Ruth's faith outlived her husband. Ruth's faith outlived her husband. Now, I know there are families where the husband's not a believer and the wife is. Or the husband's a believer and the wife is a believer, 
But the wife is interested in other things, and the husband is the spiritual leader in the home. What's supposed to happen is you're supposed to have a strong, godly man married to a strong, godly woman, and they're working together for God that as a couple that they are heading, that their trajectory is always upward toward Christ-likeness together in their home. Would you all agree that's what God wants us to have? And so what Ruth ha- what happened with Ruth is that her faith outlived her husband. I want you to see a couple of things about that. First of all, she chose a new people. Do you see that in verse 16? It says, um, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. So what she did was, she chose a new people. Now, that doesn't mean much to us because most of us are mongrels, right? You're American. For me, I'm German and like the, the old uh, oh, Looney Tunes thing, that dog, you know, he's 50% Spaniel, 50% Boxer, 50%, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's me. I'm 50% German, 50% Irish, 50% Jewish, 50% who knows. That's us. But for these people, it was different. Their national identity was vital to them. And how many of you think that the Jewish... Uh, national identity was important. She was a Moabitess. And the Moabites were a cursed race. You, you couldn't, it would take 10 generations for you to, to, for you to become a Jew. And here she comes into the land of the Jews and she chose a people that were not their people. Then not only did she do that, but she chose, uh, go, keep your place in Ruth and I want you to see something. Go to Ephesians. Here's a description of Ruth from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That was Ruth. Y'all recognize that. That is a Moabitess. She was, she was alienated from the promises of God. But look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes afar off, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Jesus Christ is what makes us a part of a different family, a part of a different group a part of a different nation. The Bible says, For ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We have moved from being Americans. We have moved from whatever our national identity is to become children of God. Isn't that wonderful? We have here no continuing city, the Bible says. We don't worship toward any particular city. What we do is we look for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to bring us a new heaven and a new earth. That's the people that we are. And Ruth chose, she chose the one true God. And in choosing the one true God, she chose a new people. Now, for people in Shelby County, sometimes that means leaving behind the traditions of your family. And I know that many of you have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that means an alienation from the church that you belonged to. It means an alienation from 
the family engagement with that church. Many of you have experienced that. That's exactly what happened with Ruth. She chose a new people. But not only that, she chose a new way of living. It's hard, unless you have studied it, the way that the Moabites lived and the way that the Jews lived, completely different. She chose a completely different, listen, culture, a way of living. What does the Bible say? Go with me. Keep your place in Ruth, of course. Go with me to Ephesians 4. You're saying, Pastor, you could have told us to keep our place in Ephesians, but it's good practice for your sword drills. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me at verse 22. So this is what we have learned from Christ in verse 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation. What is that? That's your lifestyle. That's the way that you live. That's your, that's your old culture. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So how, according to the Bible, how is your mind renewed? In the spirit, through the Bible, right? Through the word of God. Then look at verse 24. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what does God want you to do? God wants you to take that old man off, that old culture, that old life, that old religion. Those, those old demands of a family. Listen, he wants you to take off the demands of your old family that are different than what God has for us in the family of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? You're, why do you go to church so much? Have you ever heard that? You're not giving all your money to that church. Oh, you think you're better than us now. Can you imagine what Ruth heard? How many of you think that the Moabites and the Jews had a good relationship? You've not read your Bible if you think that's the case. The, the, the Moabites hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Moabites. And what did she do? She said, here is a hated nation. And the Bible says that we were at enmity with God. We were at war with God. But now we're in Him. You see, Ruth chose not only a new people, but she chose a new way of living. You see, the Christian new life is totally different from the worldly old life. And what God wants you to do as a strong woman, it, He wants you to take off that old life and put on the new life. That means you get plugged into a new family. That means you get plugged into a new people. That's what God has for us, and that's what God did for Ruth. But I want you to see something. Orpah went back. You see what it says? Let's go back to Ruth. And it's very interesting. Verse 15, Ruth chapter 1, verse 15. And she said, so this is Naomi, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto what? Her people and unto what? Return thou unto thy sister-in-law. So here is an opportunity for her to go back. Go back to her own people and go back to her own gods. But how can you go back to other gods when you've met the one true God? How can you do that? It is interesting how people get saved and they, they start to see the things of God and they start to understand the things of God from His Word. They begin to understand the communion of the saints. What is that? That is the interaction that God's people have with each other in their new family. 
and they understand what righteousness is and what holiness is, and they start to understand what it means to be different, what it means to live for God in a hostile culture, and they begin to, to, to become stronger, and they, they begin taking stands, and they start having an influence. They start having an influence in their extended family. How many of you know people that that's happened? And then something silly happens, and they go back. And all that influence is gone. So Orpah married a Jewish man who had the one true God. She was introduced to the one true God and the only way to the one true God. And I would imagine that she had begun influencing her family until she went back. See, what's the difference between Orpah and Ruth? Orpah said, look, look at verse 17. Where thou diest, will I die? And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And that, that is the commitment that we make to the Lord Jesus Christ. That I am going to be with you, Lord, forever. Now, the Lord promised to be with us forever, didn't He? Have you made that promise to the Lord? It is amazing the things that would cause us to turn back. Don't turn back. Ruth did not turn back. Ruth's faith outlived her husband. The other thing that I want you to see is Naomi is a beautiful picture of Israel. She has a beautiful picture of Israel. What did she do? God brought the nation of Israel into the land, and it was flowing with milk and honey. Now, you all know what I'm going to say. That sounds sticky. But the land's flowing with milk and honey. There's all kinds of food. Everything is taken care of for them. They're living in houses they didn't build. They're reaping vineyards from vineyards that they didn't plant. God is giving them everything. And what happened with Naomi? She left full, but she came back empty. And what happened with Israel? God brought the children of Israel into the land, but they weren't faithful. And they ended up going off in the diaspora. They ended up being around the world for 1,900 years, oh, out of the land. And then God brought them back. But what did He bring them back to? Malaria, swamps, desert, nothing. They left full and they came back, listen, bitter. If you went to the nation of Israel right now, they do not love the God of the Bible. Isn't that interesting? But what did God do? This Naomi, as a picture of Israel, God brought them into the promised land originally full. The diaspora sent them out into a famine. She left full. She returned to a land that's desperate. But here's the good news. The story's not finished. The story's not finished. You see, there is a, there, there's something, an interlude that takes place. And I don't have time to go into it, but the, the church isn't talked about in the Old Testament. The Bible, according to the book of Amos... Everything that God's going to do, He told to His prophets, except the church. When you get to Ephesians chapter 3, God reveals the mystery of the church that had been hidden until, until then. So that's not even in the Old Testament. So here it would look like, boy, God is done with Israel, but He's not, and that's a different message. But this, this picture, Naomi is a picture of God's people. And then, of course, Boaz is a beautiful picture of our kinsman redeemer. Boaz the Jewish Redeemer taking in the Gentile bride who doesn't deserve anything. What a wonderful picture that is. Boaz, he was mighty. He is mighty in power, according to chapter 2. He had total authority. In him is found the riches of his grace. And he's, he is large in provision. And he's plenteous in redemption. Look at chapter 4. Just... 
I could show you passages for each of those, but we're not going to do that this morning. But go to chapter 4 and look at verse 19. And Hezron begot Ram, and or begat Ram, and Ram begat Amminadab, and Amminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. You see, Boaz is full of redemption. The Redeemer came through him. He's a beautiful picture of that. But I want you to see something that's really fun is if you go back to chapter 2, I want you to see who introduces Ruth to Boaz. So remember, Ruth is a Gentile. Boaz is the Redeemer. And so let's start reading in verse 1, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap, do you see that? Her hap. I heard a preacher years ago say, His appointed place. Her hap. Just happened. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Now, that was her husband. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. Now, who are these people? So Boaz had this field. And there are so many things. What what God told the Jews to do is, I'm going to give you a harvest, but I want you to do is I want you to take the corner of your field and leave that for the poor, for people who don't have anything, and allow them to come in and get enough food to survive. You live on the rest of it. I want you to provide this for the people who don't have anything. And Boaz was faithful. He did what he was supposed to do. And these are the reapers that are coming in to take what he has given freely. The Lord be with you, middle of verse 4. The Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? Can't you just see him? He's coming out as the Lord of the harvest. And he's out there and he is benevolently giving to these people who have need. And he's looking and he's saying, the Lord bless thee. It's wonderful that I have this opportunity to do this. And so I want you to enjoy. Who is that? (laughs) Do you know what's wonderful about this? You see this all through Scripture. The one that brings us as Gentiles, the one that brings anyone to the Father or to the Redeemer is an unnamed servant, the Holy Spirit. What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? When He comes, He won't speak of Himself. Isn't that good? And so this unnamed servant introduces Ruth to the Redeemer. It's just such a a beautiful picture. So what do we have right now? We have the Jewish people that are alienated from God. We have that that are in a a time of famine. You have the, 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 the Gentile coming into the land and she needs a Redeemer because she's cursed. And you have the Holy Spirit bringing that person to the Redeemer. It's a beautiful picture that God has given to us. But then I want you to see this. Ruth is a picture of God's grace. We're not going to take the time to go there, but if you went to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, what you find is that Jews aren't supposed to marry Moabites. 
So she was cursed under the law. She couldn't become a part of that family. She's cursed under the law. So what's the only way? What's the only way that a cursed person can come into the family of God? Look at what it says, chapter 2 and verse 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found what? Grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. You know when we were strangers? What, what did the Bible say there in Ephesians? Strangers. Aliens. We couldn't, we couldn't be apart. We couldn't be apart if it wasn't for God's grace. Ruth is an amazing picture of God's grace. Do you know what every strong woman is? An amazing picture of God's grace. Do you know it's wonderful to look around this room? And if I could see into the overflow, I would see more. Godly ladies who are pictures of God's grace. I've got to tell you, I'm proud to know so many of you. You are just pictures of what God has done in your life. You are loyal and faithful to your husband. You are a wonderful, wonderful mother. You represent God in the marketplace. You are godly, strong women who are pictures of God's grace. I love this. The law forbade marriage to a Moabite, but grace took her in. I want to give you a couple of ways that Ruth is the picture of a strong woman. First of all, a strong woman knows God. So ladies, I want to ask you this. Do you know God? There might be a lady here who's not saved today. You've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And here's the good news. You don't have to be good to get saved. In other words, you can't be good to get saved. All you have to do is realize that you're cursed. You're cursed under sin and that the Holy Spirit wants to introduce you to your Redeemer. And by grace, He will make you a part of His bride. See, a strong woman knows God. Then a strong woman has faith in God. Na Ruth's faith was much greater than Naomi's faith. She had great faith in God and God rewarded that faith. And a strong woman's faith, now listen, this is so important. A strong woman's faith takes priority over her past life. A strong woman's faith takes priority over her past relationships. A strong woman's faith takes priority over her past beliefs. And a strong woman's faith takes priority over her past traditions. You see, one of the things that happens, we're heading into the holiday season, and what happens is people get sucked back into the traditions of the past. Now look, it's very important that you maintain a godly home and a godly relationship even through these times. Because here's what's going to happen. It, it's going to be Black Friday. And your family's going to say, hey, come shopping with us. And your husband's going to say, help. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to go and you're going to have a good time. But here's what can happen. You have that interaction with unsaved family members. And you're sucked into spending more than you should. You're sucked into trying to keep up with people that you should. You, you may have a situation where they're presenting something that is ungodly and you have to make a choice. Am I going to take a stand for Christ or am I going to go back to my old gods, to my old people? Do you see how all of this works in practical terms? It is so difficult to maintain a godly home and a godly relation or, and, and a godly testimony with your family. 
So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be holy. You're supposed to be kind. You're supposed to be gracious. You're supposed to be strong. Go and be with them, but don't be like them. And that's hard to do because you are like them. Your family. My brother and I, if my brother came, the lights were off, you heard him talk, you'd think it was me. Then the light would come on and he's not nearly as good looking. <laughs> we don't look anything alike. He's like almost six feet tall and he has dark hair and we don't look anything alike. We sound exactly alike. We walk alike. We say the exact same things. My kids, they just crack up because we're alike. We're alike. But listen, listen, so important. Those of you who have family members that are away from the Lord, don't be like that. What did Ruth have to do? She had to learn new customs. She had to learn what does it mean to be a Jew? What does it mean to live under the grace of God? Now, she wouldn't have understood the grace that we know, but she's a picture of that in the Scriptures. A strong woman knows God. A strong woman has faith in God. A strong woman's faith takes priority over her past life, her past relationships, her past beliefs, and her past traditions. But another thing is, a strong woman is loyal. Is Ruth a picture of loyalty? A strong woman is loyal. Don't undermine your husband. Don't do that. Don't undermine the church. Do you realize how many churches have been destroyed by disloyal women? How many of you know of churches that have been destroyed by disloyal women? Splits and, and division and all of those things. Now, here's the good news. We don't have that at Grace Baptist Church. I imagine we have some women that complain once in a while. We have some men that complain once in a while. There's no doubt about that because we're people. Amen? But in general, we don't have a spirit like that. And I'm so thankful for it. And that's why I can commend you ladies for being such godly ladies. That's a wonderful thing. But here's what will happen. If you get in your flesh, what's going to happen? Critical spirit, critical nature, all of those things come up and can destroy the work of God. So a strong woman is loyal. And then lastly, a strong woman is a picture of God's grace. A strong woman is a picture of God's grace. How many of you ladies would testify to this? that you know what God wants you to do as a wife and a mother. But sometimes it's too hard for you. How many of you would testify to that? Would you raise your hands? That's why you've got to be a picture of God's grace. Because you can't do it. All of the stuff about submission and you know the husband being the head of the wife and all of those things, well, that goes completely against your nature. Because completely again, the only way that you can be what God wants you to be is if you're a picture of God's grace. And young people, I want you to know, you can look around this room and you can see a lot of pictures of God's grace. Isn't that wonderful? I love what God is doing in the lives of you, strong women. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.